here is learning their alphabet. You are learning? Good. We got one learning their alphabet. That's good. So when you get done learning your alphabet, are you done? You good? No more learning to happen? No. It's no. No, no. What do we got to learn next? Well, then we got to put those letters together and make words. Oh. Once you get words, are you done? No. No. What he comes next? You got to make sentences. Then you got to make paragraphs, and then it just keeps going and going. And then we find out all of a sudden, you know, we're just not ever done learning, are we? Yeah, we're never done learning. What about us adults? Do we get there? Of course, we know we don't, but is there something you can perfect? Maybe so. Say you're a language expert and you decide that you are going to learn Greek and Hebrew. Can you learn all of Greek and Hebrew? Maybe. I couldn't if it, we're talking you and me here, but maybe you could. Now, the English language I don't count because nobody can figure that one out completely. I am 100% on, but maybe you can be a Greek or a Hebrew expert and you have obtained perfection, completeness in that task. You have a knowledge of something that you had to strive for, a knowledge of something that you had to run for, a knowledge of something you had to work for, and you feel good about it, don't you? You feel complete in that. Well, there can be times when we're searching in Scripture and we are searching for a knowledge of God. And the question is, are you ever going to know everything about God you can know? No, we cannot. That's why it's titled, The Excellency of the Knowledge of Christ Jesus. And we take our text in Philippians chapter 3, verses 7 through 16. We take the title from verse 8 of that, but let's read those passages and let's talk about how we have the excellency of that knowledge of Christ Jesus. Starting in verse 7 of Philippians chapter 3. But what things are gained to me, those I counted loss for Christ. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ, and be found in Him, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through faith in, of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith, that I may know Him, and the power of His resurrection, and the fellowship of His sufferings, being made conformable unto His death, if by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead, not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after, if that I may apprehend that for which I am also apprehended of Christ Jesus. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but there's one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. And we'll stop there in verse 14. So what Paul is telling us here in this passage is that at one time he thought he knew everything there was to know about God, about Scripture, about religion. In fact, he was pretty much the perfect Hebrew. But then he realized that there is something called knowledge of the Spirit versus knowledge of the intellect. 
Paul previously had knowledge of the intellect, and that's our first paragraph here, is the knowledge of the intellect. Now, who doesn't want to attain knowledge? I do. I love to learn. Who doesn't want to attain knowledge of the Scripture and of God and of all things holy? We should all raise our hands and say, yes, I want that. I want to know everything I can about God. Well, so shouldn't we be striving, truly striving to know all that we can about God? Yes, we should. It's like the children with the alphabet. They learn the alphabet. And then they tackle the next hard thing and they put words together. And then they tackle the next thing. And they put sentences together. And then they put paragraphs together. And then they put chapters together. Then they put books together. Then they put volumes together and series together. And it can go on and on and on in that attainment of knowledge. And that's what we are to strive for in our knowledge of Jesus Christ. Will we ever reach that knowledge here on earth? No, we won't. Do we want to? Yes, of course we want to. But we know that we will not, and yet, we're told to strive for it. Even though you will never know everything there is to know about God here on earth, you're to strive to know everything there is about God here on earth. You're to continually seek everything there is for you to know about God. Anything that God has revealed to you through His Scripture, we were to learn and study and study. Verses 12 and 13, he says... Not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after, if that I may apprehend that for which I am also apprehended for Christ Jesus. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended. But Paul, haven't haven't you actually attained all of that knowledge? Haven't you really attained it? Weren't you the person that studied at the feet of Gamaliel and you knew the law in and out? But what is Paul saying that he has not attained yet? Not all knowledge. He's saying the resurrection. The knowledge that he will have at the resurrection is a different knowledge, an expanded knowledge, a complete knowledge that you will never reach here on earth. And yet Paul is striving to apprehend, to attain, to lay hold of what will happen in the resurrection. Paul saying, I cannot get there until God calls me home. And that day that God calls me home, I will have this perfect, this complete, this knowledge of God that I cannot reach here. But until that day, I'm going to strive for that perfect knowledge. But in the knowledge of intellect, wasn't Paul already there? Verses 5 and 6 tell us that, yes, he was. He says, circumcised the eighth day. Of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews is touching the law, a Pharisee concerning zeal, persecuting the church, touching the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. So Paul, are you saying you had reached perfection of an intellectual knowledge? Sure. Of the knowledge of the Hebrews? Sure. He was blameless in the law. He kept the jot and the tittle, so he thought. He was blameless in it. He was perfect. He laid out his lineage of everything that there was to know about him and he could say, I have attained perfection of the knowledge, which is what Paul thought prior to his conversion. In fact, he believed in it so much that if you crossed him, he would kill you. He would persecute you. He would put you in prison. He would hunt you down because he had attained that perfect knowledge. But it was just a knowledge of works, just a knowledge of law, just a knowledge of the intellect. There was no grace 
in the knowledge of Paul. There was no spiritual insight into the knowledge of Paul. But he says in verse 12 that he had not even reached now that perfection. He hasn't reached his ideal of what a Christian might be one day. He has not reached what the Christian is called to be one day. Now we're talking here, the Apostle Paul. If I could point to any human other than not Jesus Christ, just a human, I would point to the Apostle Paul of someone that has reached such perfection, such devotion, such dedication to the Scripture that this man is continually beat, imprisoned, shipwrecked, all for the word of God being spread to those who have not heard it and to encourage those who have heard it. A man who is willing to give his life, his very life, and he's saying, I have not attained. I have not reached that perfect knowledge that I hunger for, that I strive for, and yet I have not reached it yet. Because Paul knows that in this life, in our mortal forms, our minds cannot comprehend all that there is to know about God. He knows one thing, that when he reaches perfection in resurrection, he will then be with Christ eternally. Do I think we'll know everything about God then? Probably not. But we're going to continue to learn more and more and more each day because His thoughts are above our thoughts. His ways above our ways. Do I hope we can learn faster and better and retain more? I hope so. But Paul realizes that until he reached the perfection of resurrection, his calling here on this earth is to strive for the knowledge of Christ. Now does that mean if he gets to A, B, C and can't remember what comes after that, he gives up for the day? Or does he strive to learn that D is next? That's what Paul is saying, that when it gets hard, I will continue to strive. When it gets hard, I will continue to search for and reach for that perfection. He had not obtained what we all hope to obtain. Paul had not even reached it himself. He did not sit and rest though. He pursued, he worked for, he strived, he strained for something that was still yet beyond him. Now I can think of many quote, spiritual people who have claimed Christianity who have come before and in their vein of the Pharisee Paul think that they have attained to all knowledge about Christ. But they're doing something. They're depending on their knowledge, their deeds, their works, their goodness in obtaining that knowledge. But we see that they're just puffed up with the knowledge of the intellect, that they can quote this scripture, which we should do that they can point you to this reference, which we should all be able to do. But they take it as, I have learned, I have attained, and I have reached a perfect knowledge above other people. But that's just puffed vain glory. Because if Paul hasn't reached it, neither have they, and neither have we. And Paul is saying, I haven't gotten there. In fact, I won't. I won't get there until I reach heaven. But in the meantime, until I reach that perfect glory I have in heaven, I will search and I will strive for. So what's the difference between Paul of verses 4 and 5 and the rest of this text? What's the difference? He is no longer leaning on the knowledge of the intellect that he had perfected. When Christ literally knocked him down and blinded him, all of that intellect went out the window. All of that knowledge obtained had gone out the window and the only thing that was worthy of knowledge, was the knowledge of Jesus Christ. But all those laws, Paul, Christ, 
All the jots and the tittles. Christ. All of the sacrifices, Paul. You probably had the whole sacrificial system memorized. Christ. I count them all but dung in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. They're worthless. They're garbage to me. As I pursue the knowledge of Jesus Christ, everything I have obtained until now, until Christ knocked me down, until He blinded me, until He called me to be a special apostle for Him, all of that is worthless. Because I seek the knowledge of Christ. There is a vast difference of the knowledge of the intellect and a knowledge of the Spirit. You can have a head puffed up full of knowledge and a heart empty and void. Or you can struggle with memorizing verses and yet you strive for it. You can struggle to remember which passage you're supposed to go to and yet you strive for it. Why? Because your heart desires it. Not your head desiring it. Not because you want some accolades from people or just to say that I have done. Your heart craves it. And that is the difference of the knowledge of intellect and the knowledge of spirit is your heart is thirsty for something more. Something more than you could ever obtain. Something more than you ever thought you could have. And you crave it. As thirst the heart for water brooks, so thirst my soul, O God, for Thee. This deer is panting. It's been running. It desperately needs water. God, that's how desperately I need You. In Psalm 63, all that David could think of in that time of his distress in those valleys was, Lord, I want to taste and drink of You. I don't want to be restored to the throne. I want to see You on the throne. That's my desire. You're a joy to my starving lips. That is a knowledge of the Spirit over a knowledge of the intellect. Because in that situation, the knowledge of the intellect would have been angry that the king had been deposed, that the king was in a wilderness. But David just yearned for God's glory and not his own. He didn't yearn for himself to be on a throne and be king. He just yearned for God to be worshipped. That's the difference of Paul here. Paul wasn't really zealous for God as a Pharisee. He was zealous for the law as a Pharisee. He wasn't striving for God as the Pharisee. He was striving for the law and the perfection of it and that he had obtained perfection. And therefore, everyone else was required to be perfect also. But Paul has now changed because God Almighty knocked him on his back, blinded him by, opened his eyes by blinding him to see the excellency of the knowledge of Jesus Christ versus the excellency of the knowledge of what Paul had in his head. Verses 8 and 12 here. Let's read both of those verses. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ. Paul didn't just lose knowledge. He lost status. He may have lost his home, his belongings. He lost all. And then verse 12. Not as though... I have already obtained. I've lost everything for Christ, but I haven't obtained perfection with Christ yet. Either we're already perfect, but what do I do? I sit and wait. No. I follow after. 
if that I may apprehend that for which I am also apprehended of Christ Jesus. Christ Jesus grabbed hold of me, Paul says. He grabbed hold of me and He shook me awake. And therefore I will reach to grab hold of the knowledge of Jesus Christ. You can feel Paul's passion in his words. You can feel his passions when he speaks of gaining Christ. I have lost it all. And it was worth it to lose everything just so that I gain Jesus Christ. Now it is a humility in knowledge versus the former pride in knowledge that Paul had. Now it is a humility in knowledge knowing that Christ has taken him and he is determined to go and grasp hold of everything of Christ that he can. And he hopes that one day, and not a wish, a hope, a confident expectation that one day he will reach that perfection. He wants to win Christ to achieve that final glory to gain the excellency of the knowledge of Jesus Christ. This shows that Jesus held such an esteem to Paul. You could equate it to what an athlete would have, what Mike preached on this morning, that trophy that they grab and that they kiss. When those days it was a wreath. And when they finished that, crossed that finish line or won that competition, the ultimate victory was that wreath that they placed upon their head. And Paul is pursuing that goal of Jesus Christ with so much passion, the same passion that an athlete may have, and that he's willing to give his every ounce of energy, his every fiber of muscle, his very soul, and if it were, death just across the finish line. That is what Paul is saying. I will die if I must to search after the knowledge of Jesus Christ. How are we searching? Are we searching with such a passion? Are we willing to give our, Christ, our, our lives for the knowledge of Jesus Christ? I hate to say that I don't most days. That I don't have such a passion that I'm willing to go out and die for the knowledge of Jesus Christ. But we should. Paul was ready. Because that knowledge is surpassing of all other knowledges. And Paul saw its true value and its true benefit. And now he's ready to give his everything for that. He had not reached it, and yet he strives for it. So now we search and strive for this attainment. How? Through the Scriptures. We find this knowledge that we are to search for, to strive for, through the Scriptures. There's not some special revelations that pastors have. There's not some special revelations that prophets have. There's not a special revelation that anyone has to obtain the knowledge of Jesus Christ. It is found here in the preserved written Word of God. That is our knowledge. And that is where we are to dig deep. To roll our sleeves up, get that shovel of learning out and start digging away to find those nuggets of truth in this Word. What a goal to pursue. To know all that you can know about the Scripture. What a goal. Oh, that I knew all there is to know about God right now. Oh, that I was to reach that perfection right now. But I know it's not going to happen until that day. Strive in the Word of God. Psalm 19.1 tells us that the heavens declare the glory of God and the expanse, the firmament shows the work of His hand. We see God just in creation. How much more do we see Him in Scripture? 
when we begin to dig deep and to delve into Scriptures. Psalm 19, that same chapter, verses 7 through 9. Just as the sky above declares God's work of creation, so does the Word of God declare to us God's work of redemption through Jesus Christ. That's what those verses are saying. Let's read those. But His Word is showing us not some intellectual knowledge, but the knowledge of the redemption we have in God. Psalm 19, verses 7 through 9. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the souls. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. Every word here is perfect. Every word here, not in a translation, but in the original Greek and Hebrew and Aramaic, every word of God is pure. And we are to strive to know that purity. Who has measured heaven? Who's done it? No one. Who can measure heaven? Can NASA measure heaven? No. Can any government entity or the smartest person, can Elon Musk measure heaven? No one can measure heaven. Its expanses are beyond our comprehension. We can't fathom what the heavens are. We can't fathom what space is. We can guess all day, but we'll never truly fathom it. So much more. The words of the God who created all of the heavens. His inspired word down to us. Can you fathom all of it? Can you truly soak all of it in? Can you truly understand all of it? And yet, we're told to strive for that knowledge. To strive for that perfection. Just as people are striving to see what is in the the expanse beyond. We are to strive to see all that this scripture has for us. Who can hold the scriptures? I mean, the, the, the heavens in your hand. Can you hold the heavens in your hand? Of course not. If we can't even explore them all, you can't hold it into your hand, kids. You can't hold all the stars in the sky. But can you search these scriptures daily? Yes, you can. Should you search these scriptures daily for knowledge of Jesus Christ? Yes, we should. Young and old alike should all be searching for this. Nobody's been able to navigate all the knowledge that is held in Scripture. No one. Oh, wait a minute, Brother Titus. You've told us multiple times you've read the Bible through. You've read it through. Haven't you obtained all that knowledge yet? Are you just a slow reader? I've read the Bible through a lot. I read it through every year. Some years, multiple times. One year, four times. That was rough. But I read it through every year. Do you know how much more I learn each time I read that scripture? Does it get less and less and less? No, it actually gets more and more and more every single time I read the Bible through again each year. I learn more and more of Him than I knew last year. I'm not getting to that point where I read the scripture and say, yeah, I remember all this and know all this already. Tell me something new, Lord. He tells me something new every time. Every year that I read through, I gain more and more knowledge. And it reminds me that there is so much more of this Scripture for me to apprehend, to attain to, that I will never understand everything in the Scripture and obtain all of the knowledge of the Scripture while here on earth. 
And yet I am going to strive for that every day that I read this Scripture. Every year that I read this book through, I will strive for more and more knowledge. And I will never reach that perfection. And yet I will strive. That's what Paul is saying. That's what we should be saying. That no matter how much I realize I don't know, that just motivates me more to want to study more and more and more. To know all that I can know of Jesus Christ. All that He will show me. All that He will allow my finite mortal mind to understand. That's what I want to know of Jesus Christ. That's what I want to know of His Word. I long for the day when I will know Him more fully. But until that day, I will continue to strive here in this Word more and more. Oh, such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is too high. I cannot attain to it, says Psalm 139, verse 6. Come on, David. Surely you could attain to this knowledge. It's too high for me. It's too high for David. It's too high for Paul. It's too high for mankind. And yet we are to strive for this. The height and the depth and the breadth of Scriptures surpasses all that our mortal minds can comprehend. And yet we strive, as Paul strove, faithful to knowing more and more until that glorious day comes. And when we feel that we've attained all there is to know about Scripture, when you get to the point that you say, I know everything there is to know in this book. I can learn no more. Then I want you to do me a favor. I want you to get on your knees and I want you to pray Psalm 119, verses 26 through 27. I have told you my ways and you have answered me. Teach me your statutes. Make me understand the way of your people so I will meditate on your wonders. David again didn't know all there was to know. And when we think we have attained it, say, Lord, teach me more. And He will continue to teach you more because the more you study, the more you know. And the more you know, the more you realize there is more to learn. And there always will be. The law of the Lord is perfect This, he means, is not merely the law of Moses, but the doctrines of God. The doctrines of God are perfect. The whole of Scripture's run and rule of sacred Scripture is perfect. The doctrine revealed by God, he declares, to be perfect. How more than perfect is the book which contains the clearest possible display of divine love and gives us an open vision of redeeming grace. The gospel is a complete scheme or law of gracious salvation, presenting to the needy sinner everything that his terrible necessities can possibly demand. Charles Spurgeon. Converting the soul. This word converts your soul, making the man to be returned or restored to the place from which sin had cast you. And you are now restored through The Word, it converts the soul. It turns you back, puts you back on the path from which you have strayed. The testimony of the Lord is sure. God bears His testimony against sin and on behalf of all righteous. He testifies of our fall and of our restoration in this Scripture. It makes wise the simple, the humble, the candid of mind. Teachable minds receive the Word and are made wise unto salvation. Things hidden from the wise and prudent are revealed unto babes, says Charles Spurgeon. The fool's 
of the world will continue to be as fools. But the simple will become wise. We are the simple. And through the word of God, we are made wise. And the statutes of the Lord are right. His precepts and decrees are founded in the righteousness of Himself. And that is causing of a rejoicing of the heart to know that every precept in here comes from the very soul, heart, mind, the being of God. He has literally breathed it out to us so that you may know Him. There is a rejoicing of the heart. And lastly, more to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold, sweeter also than honey, in the honeycomb. The Bible's truth is so enriching to the soul in the highest degree. He uses this metaphor in that scripture. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold. He's saying gold, fine gold, much fine gold. He's saying the scripture is good, it's better, it's best. This is as good as we can get. Here on this earth is this scripture. How are we not digging deep into this treasure? It's better than the best, the Word of God is. It's more than a material wealth, it's a spiritual wealth. And that should cause us to be eager. Back in verse 14 of Philippians chapter 3. He says this, and we will close with this. I press toward, press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Paul is pressing. He's pursuing after the goal of attaining fully Jesus Christ. As the athlete pursues that finish line, so we, we must pursue this treasure trove of Scripture to know more about Him until that glorious day when He calls us home to know more and more and fuller and fuller, not seeing through a glass dimly or veiled, that we know Him more. Until that day, take this Scripture, whether it's in book form, where it's on your tablet, your iPad, it doesn't matter. Read your Scripture. Now, when people make New Year's resolutions, I'm not asking you to do that. I'm asking you to make a December the 17th, 2023 resolution to dig into the Word and never stop digging. And don't have to remind yourself every new year you should have been doing it. Start today. This is a gold mine that we should be hungry for. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank You for Your Word. But Lord, You have preserved Your breath to us through generations of generations. But Lord, we may here in 2023 be able to learn more of You. That You have been so merciful to us, Lord, that You would grant us this precious jewel of Scripture to dig into, to, to just devour. Lord, give us such a heart for learning for You that we can never stop. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.